Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Get German Football News podcast, where tonight we'll be looking ahead to the return of the Bundesliga this weekend, following the latest international break, as well as having a quick discussion and look back to Germany's, let's say, disaster class against Spain on Tuesday night. As always, I'm your host for the evening, Nathan Evans, and this week I've been joined by two of our regular experts, Andrew Thompson. Hey guys. And, of course, Tom Fenton. Evening, guys. Are we both all right? Good, good. Yeah, just just upset Danny. He's got his PS5. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big issue of the day. It's a huge issue. <laughs> Impossible to escape at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, as just mentioned, then, there's only one really place to start with tonight's episode, and that's with Germany's humbling at the hands of Spain on Tuesday night. The home side ran out 6-0 winners in the Nations League, the first time Germany have conceded six goals since 1931. Obviously, we spoke last week on the podcast about the situation currently with the German national team. Maybe a bit of a transition period as we discussed. And obviously, if Joachim Love's still the right man for the job, Oliver Beerhoff coming out and saying that the German FA is fully behind their man. But surely a result like that almost proves that maybe he isn't the right man for the job right now, Drew? Yeah, and <laughs> I'm resisting kind of that the, the rant that everyone, I guess, we were all hoping we would all get onto. But I think it's been evident he's not been the right man since at least, you know, the aftermath of Russia, New Russia 2018. Um, especially because now you look at the team and despite some of the results that they've gotten, you never, you're never really inspired at when you watch Germany play anymore. You don't, you don't have that 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 really dominant presence, that dominant performance from the players. Even even the top players just seem to fall off inexplicably at a moment's notice, and it's been a habit ever since. Um, and there's so many questions you could ask about team selection, uh, why he hasn't really progressed on the tactical level. Um, just just a lot, and then you have um, some of the players are clamoring, you know, for for. Uh, Thomas Müller to come back and and Jerome Boateng Matt Summers, but as we were just discussing, I, I I don't think the issue for me is just a matter of those players because Germany were just as bad with those same players in Russia, and you know, you, you you had the, the the privilege what you have now included them, so they they played a part. It's difficult, um, but I don't think I don't think he's the man to 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 move forward with. Um, I will come on to why in a little bit, I'm sure. But for me, it's it's baffling that that Bierhoff's come out and, and the DFB still fully support Love, and I I think there are other reasons that they maybe not aren't saying to the public. That's just my theory. But something has to change. Some things plural. I mean, a lot of things have to change for them, and and have to do it in rapid succession, or else the Euros, if they do go ahead, we don't know what's gonna happen with COVID. But if the Euros do go ahead, it could, it could be an absolute nightmare, similar to to two years ago, if things don't shape up quite quickly. Yeah, and Tom, if you just got anything to add to that, really. I mean, not too much. It's, it's, you know, like Drew said, it's a topic that's been beaten to death over the last couple of days, and rightfully so, because, you know, there needs to be a serious conversation about what comes next. Um, I just think it's, it's the worst possible time for results of this magnitude to come, really, because you've already given this manager your blessing to lead a side into the next uh, major competition, in this case, next year's Euros. Um, Again, I mean, maybe it's a blessing in the sense that this could have been a result that we that we would have seen um, at the Euros rather than 
um, in what is effectively somewhat of a warm-up game for that. Um, but it just, yeah, I, I just think there's a, there's a tactical staleness there um, that just seems obvious. The lack of fight, a uh, lack of hunger, heads dropping when you know when they went a couple of goals down, and and you just don't see anything there to to get you out of your seat or to give you hope or optimism. Uh, it's it's not a free flowing Germany, but it's not a, a quintessential, some would say stereotypical Germany either of being resolute and being solid. <clears throat> so very very bizarre, um, very very bizarre, and and you just and again, Bierhoff's statement is also bizarre. I, I think there's a lot of people just sort of scratching their heads, but you know the the, the German FA have put themselves into a position where they have to back their man now, where you know he, he's been been given tacit approval to, to kick on and to, and to lead Germany um, next summer and, and whatever happens you kind of have to stick by him now and you know you can I think after that whatever may happen um, next year you know you can restart things with a new manager lots of talk about who could be the man to do that but for the moment I mean you, there's really not a lot else you can do I, I don't think you want the complete upheaval of getting rid of your manager however many months before a tournament but by the same token you just worry so much about what could happen if the la- if the tactical naivety from from Louvre remains because I mean based on that performance the, you, you look at the the team sheets and if you if you're just looking at looking at, at the game on paper I mean it's a decent Spanish side but you wouldn't say this is up there with the Spain side of 2010. This is a good team, but it's not a great one yet. Um, you look at the Germany eleven, uh, and to a man you say, well, yeah, I mean, this team should be at the very, very least holding their own with Spain, probably getting the better of them. But it just tactically it was all over the place. And there's still some baffling selection decisions that don't seem to make any sense. And yeah, I mean, you know, there's not a lot else in terms of originality that I can add that other, others haven't. But um, it's just, it's, it's not an ideal situation and the timing could hardly be worse. Also, I think that's also kind of the argument that people, some, that some people might make is that if you drop low now in the, in the prelude to the Euros, it, it probably can't get worse than it already is. And I think, point, yeah. I think people are willing to take that gamble. I don't necessarily know if it's the smart thing to do, but I think that would maybe be the argument that people are trying to make. And, and certainly a lot of that would have to do with there aren't very many actual available people to step in to the role that Germany can build with. It would be more of maybe a stopgap, get them through the Euros, and then maybe survey actual options after the fact. Obviously, I don't. it's clear what direction the DFB is going in, but whether it's the right one or not, we'll have to see. And obviously, the talent pool is there to maybe, if, if, if the players find it amongst themselves, to drag the national team over the line, all those players are capable of banding together and actually putting in a good tournament despite having love as a manager, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's going to be nothing but questions, I think, and I don't know if we're going to really get any answers, <laughs> and, and we might get them, but they might not be the ones that um, are going to breed any sort of positivity around the national team for a little bit, so. I think I think that's the key, though, is that um, you don't want to bring in a new manager and then say he has a disastrous tournament, and all of a sudden somebody who may have had like four years to build something and to really work on a project, all of a sudden they're immediately under under pressure because they came in, it's all been a bit rushed, they've had a terrible tournament because they haven't been able to implement their ideas. You know, I don't think Germany just want to give it to somebody Roy Hodgson style and then see how they do and then maybe yeah. give it to, you know, you want someone who can really rebuild it in the way that Lerved originally did after Jürgen Klinsmann. So it's really tricky, but I, I get the, I get the perspective of those who say, I'll oh, just get rid because 
yeah, I mean, where do you go from this? It can't really get too much worse, you wouldn't have thought. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Well, I mean, they've just been beaten by a Spanish team, like you said, Tom, who are in transition themselves. Like like you said, we, we looked at the teams before, you wouldn't look at that Spanish team and think, you know, you'd struggle to say they were going to beat Germany 1-2-0, let alone 6. But at the end of the day, surely the FA needs to make a stance here because we're going into Euros in three or four months' time. I mean, the group is Hungary, Portugal and France. I mean... That's a tough group as well. And even though you can't even sleep on Hungary. Hungary has some players and that can turn up, like Dominic Joghurtfly, obviously. But mm-hmm. collectively, their team is pretty solid. And Portugal and France... France are probably the front runner for the tournament. Pre-tournament, you'd ask anybody, they would say France, given their talent pool, have the chance to win it. And you can't sleep on a Portugal team who are much more than just Ronaldo now. And it, that's that's tricky. I mean, what's the expectation there now, do you think? Uh, <laughs> that's difficult in that group. How do, you tell, how do you stand by a manager that's just been defeated in that manner and tell your it's fans, like- oh, this is the best man to take us forward to it? But you know, a major tournament where that's the group so I think the issue isn't it's not just the the Spain result and and I kinda wanna get Tom's on this as well. I think the other issue is you look at Germany's play across the entirety of, of, of the group in the Nations League, they allowed thirteen goals in six matches. That's that's pretty horrendous for a team who should should be realistically in, in the top three or four in, in FIFA rankings, whether they're biased or not. Germany are a side who need to be in top, top five team in the world. And that's not a performance in terms of the data that you look at and think that we're worried about them. Even even the goal tally, you know, they scored less than two goals a match, which is normally not what you see. Normally it's the opposite. You think back to however many campaigns and, and tournament play or qualifying play where Germany were getting six, seven, eight nil wins, even against smaller position, sure, but you still knew when they played bigger opponents, they would still have that dominant presence and you're not, you're not seeing it anymore from them. And I can't see them going at the current iteration with, with Logan and the questionable 11s that we've seen, you know, the insistence of doing things like starting Tony Cruz and, and, and Tony Rudiger and the 11 players who on form have not deserved it. If you, if you throw them in against teams like France and Portugal, I can't see Germany beating either of those sides, even if they beat a hungry side, that's all well and good, but are they going to really beat Spain and France right now on balance? You'd probably assume not. So right there, that's them out of the out in the group stage. In similar fashion to how they exited in the World Cup, they got that one win against Sweden, which was a lucky draw. I mean, lucky, but thanks to Cruz's free kick. But they just look so abject and tepid against Mexico and South Korea, and you can see that happening again against now better sides in France and Portugal. And I agree with you guys. I don't look at that Spain team and think 2010, where where you, where you turn up and you know Spain's just going to play off the park and they have no chance. And it's about minimize how many goals you give up i think germany if germany is in form and everything's going well i think germany should be beating that spain side i think germany should be comfortably winning the group that they had i can't look at the the group now that they have going into the euros and thinking they're going to be comfortable at all i actually don't think they'll make it out of the group currently as we speak unless things change i mean that's just telling of the situation that we're talking about a german team well me tom dan as english fans that had it over us for the last 40 50 insult is I'd fancy England to hammer this German team almost which is wild <laughs> to be honest but yeah anyway getting on to the next point and maybe going into Joachim Love a little bit more um, we spoke to the press after the match and I quote it was a dark day we tried to press them high up the pitch and get back into the game 
that Spain played far better than us. They really were much faster and played with more precision. Pre precision. We had no chance. Now for me, them final four words there are just so telling. Like We're talking about a German team that have been one of the most successful teams in Europe and the world for the last you know, 10, 20 years. And the manager's turning around saying we had no chance against the team like Spain, as we talk, spoke about, not as strong as what they were. You know, is that, is that something the players don't come back from, for instance, true? Do you think that they still believe in his project? So, I mean, I just ran to let that time go. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> unless, he's, unless he's dog cuddling. I mean, that's fine too. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> no, the dog is uh, safe and sound. Um, no, look, uh, look, I just think that's a ridiculous comment. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to come out and start completely slagging off the German manager who is in his own right a legend and, and has done things that, you know, the likes of only Beckenbauer have done before. Uh, and, but I mean, that, that, that's ludicrous to say. You look at the goals, you look at the manner of the defeat, you look at the, the, the just the effort levels towards the end. I mean, yeah, we could see you were trying to press them high, but that doesn't make it mean it was the right thing to do. Like when you're that, that many goals behind and you have pace and guile and skill and, and technica, technical plays and attack, like, I mean, it, it just, the way the optics were just so terrible at the end of the game that, you know, they looked all over the place. And again, you can't even say, oh, it's because they're, they're so, you know, technically masterful because some of the goals conceded on set pieces it was just elementary defending, elementary school defending, sorry. Um, and it's it's not even down to individual mistakes. Sometimes it just looks like, a, you know, the system isn't working. It looks like there's, for some reason, they aren't well drilled enough on set pieces, despite the fact that they've had the same manager in place now for 14 odd years. It was just, it was really bizarre. It wasn't like it was just, they got completely played off the pitch. In some cases, they just handed Spain opportunities and goals and, and, and players just didn't look like they were throwing their body at the ball. And uh, it, yeah, it, I, I think that's a, a ludicrous comment to say, to, to somehow suggest that this was inevitable and they got completely dominated by a far superior side. I mean, uh, you know, any side with the amount of talent um, as German had on the pitch, uh, you know, you, can't, you cannot justify a, a performance or a defeat like that. Um, and it's a worrying sign for me that he came out and said it again. Whether it's just in whether it's a typical cloppism where you come out and you do all you can to protect the players in public and you scold them privately, I don't know what his what his play is there, but it's a ludicrous thing to say, and it's just so sort of defeatist, and you know, it's it's so against everything that Germany as a, as an international team always stood for, which is you know we, we may not have the best individuals on the pitch but we'll find a way to win. This is like the inverse of that. We do have the best players on the pitch, but we're going to just hand you the win anyway and, and pretend as if we're the inferior side. It, it, it's a really bizarre comment. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of withdrew in the sense that I don't know where you go from that because um, it's like he's already out the door, uh, the way he's speaking about it. And, you know, if, if you're going to sort of um, come out with statements like that, but ahead of the Euros, I mean, it's almost like he's getting ready uh, for the inevitable elimination and he's kind of tempering expectations almost and it, every tournament Germany goes into rightfully so 
they go in there as favourites. I remember the stories of, of from my girlfriend's family of when they won the World Cup in, in 2014 and the lack of jubilation. This was expected to happen. It wasn't something that was like in England where people are dancing on bus top, on top of buses. You know, this is this is Germany. We win. It's what we do. And it, it, there's a very, very bizarre thing happening behind the scenes. And, and I'm just confused by it all, to be honest. And I, I don't really know what the way forward is when he's coming out with statements like that well kind of on a similar line to that sort of notion Manuel Neuer also spoke to press after the match against Spain suggested that certain players namely Jerome Berthe, Mats Hummels and Thomas Muller should all still be playing for the German national team obviously Drew you started by saying that you don't think it's too big an issue but surely if you've got a player that is that big in the squad and such a senior figure it's alarm bells that he's questioning you know, his manager's team selection? I, th- I think it's an alarm bell that he's questioning it, but I think people should look into why he's questioning it. And I, you guys know this about me. I, I'm not a fan of Manuel on any level. I think <laughs> for what he's done for the position of goalkeeper, I think he helped revolutionize it moving forward. I think you have to look at his career and say it's been one of the greats in terms of goalkeeper. And, and that's undeniable. You cannot take anything away from that. But same side you can also say that he has despite you know his ability to 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 come up with the spectacular regularly i do think that he's not the same that he used to be which is normal obviously but and i think that because of that he's had the luxury for me of relying on players like boateng who moves some of those players at national level and the, the players he's had in front of him at Bayern to maybe mask those regressions that he's had in this game and it's not nearly as evident but if you see it now if you look at how disjointed germany are at the back there's there's no communication and you don't have when you don't have someone like boateng and humos at center back to help marshal that defense you get to look at the goalkeeper then but is nori really doing that job for himself he hasn't really if you look at it if you look at the spain match things were just it's sixes and sevens every time spain came forward they look like they were scoring the defense didn't know that the, um, the positioning was poor. No one was picking up the runs. I mean, obviously the support from midfield was diabolical, but the back four just looked a complete shambles. And I, that for me, that's not about a lack of quality at the back. I think maybe an addition that Kumos could help, sure, but a back four, Philip Max is not a poor player. He was also less completely unsupported. You know, Robin Koch, we all think that he has got a bright future ahead of him. You know, Matthias Ginter's in there. These are all players that are solid players. Certainly not to the level where they should be giving up six goals um, with ease. And, but if you look at Neuer, it's always kind of like, he just kind of throws his hands up and never looks at himself. But if, is he doing the job of stepping up and actually marshalling the defense? I think he's been so reliant on the center backs to do it. Now that he doesn't have someone like a Boateng who was in there doing it for him, maybe that's why he's clamoring for them to come back. For me, that's my take on it. I do think that Germany have a big enough talent pool to cope with that kind of a loss. And certainly all national teams go through cycles where they lose top players, certainly top center backs. And then you have to, it's it's up to the players to to sort of um, to progress amongst themselves, whether you have new, new names coming in, you adapt with the ones that you already have currently and you push forward, you know, for years, Italy had an absolutely brilliant, you know, back line, but then they tweaked things on a tactical level to make sure that if we're not going to have, you know, players of the likes of, you know, kind of our Maldini and the team players that are never going to reach that level, 
you would you make ever so many adjustments so that you can still keep your defensive wits about you, but still allow your play for to express itself. Germany haven't done that. So they haven't done that on a tactical level. They haven't done that with the players that they've had on a personal level. And I, I think instead of just deflecting and saying, well, these players need to come back, I think certain players, Norian included, need to look at themselves and say, well, am I doing enough personally? Because I don't think they are. And that's obviously it's just my take, but I see it from a different end. Well, why is he playing Matthias Gins for right back? And th- again, that's that's on love, and for I think me, we would like him and Nicolas Sula would be a perfect partnership. Yeah, I agree, and I think that that was when we spoke about that in the WhatsApp group, didn't we? We said, you know, why is someone like Vital Baku being sent right back down? It, it would have been made perfect sense to just have Ginter and Sula in, in at centre back and, and have and give Baku a run in the team. It, that would have made more sense on a tactical level, completely. Um, I, I mean, I don't when everyone's fit, you know. You're not gonna, I guess he's going to persist with Rudiger when Rudiger is, is, is available or whatever have you. And that, for me, that's almost mind-blowing still. Um, so again, you have to look at the manager on those decisions, but you still have to look at the players on an individual level as well, because when you lose 6-0, it's not always just down to the manager. The players do have to take responsibility. Um, again, that's why I mentioned the midfield, because the midfield was just being carved open time and again, and there was just no support for the back four. And when you have a team as incisive and, and good on the ball and, and direct and lively as Spain were, you need that midfield support. So whether if the, and I forget, I, forget, I, think, I forget if Lowe mentioned it or if it was Bierhoff and he said at one or two nil down, the players completely forgot the match plans and just kind of almost did whatever they wanted. That's also a bad sign. So now you have the two schools or rather the two sides of the corner now at odds with each other. You have Lowe's kind of on, on the side saying the players completely forgot what the match plan was. Now you have some of the players question the manager's decisions. And this is all, all making for a, a, a big bust up in, in the making, similar to what happened with France almost in a way. And it's kind of what you don't want. So something, something has to give or, 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 two, or the two sides have to come to terms in rapid order or else, again, you're going to get something akin to 2018 happening in, in a matter in, in just a few months. So who really knows? Well, I think that'll do on our discussion of that. Um, moving on to a happier topic. Obviously, the Bundesliga is back this weekend. Um, Mezos sat at the top at the Allianz Arena between, as mentioned, table toppers at Bayern Munich and Werder Bremen. It would surprise quite a few people with their start to the season compared to what they were looking like at the back end of last year. Tom, are you backing your boys, Werder, to get something from this match? You know what? I keep uh, no, I, I keep predicting them to lose, and then they surprise me. So uh, you know, I'm I'm going to keep doing that and and hope that I get um, a sort of pleasant return because I I just think that this is a really good litmus test of where they stand as a team because you know they've been so much better this this season um, and not just in the performances. It, it's the result. It's the way they close out games. The way they fight back. Um, and again, no one's expecting them to go away to Bayern Munich, despite Bayern's injury worries and so on and so forth. No one's expecting them to go there and, and turn Bayern over and, uh, and and win or even get a draw. But if they can just go there and be and, and put in a respectable display, keep it tight, um, and and give themselves half a chance of nicking something, I think that that would be more than enough um, of a sign that, that, that they're you know in, heading in the right direction. Um, Again, I, I just I like the, the way things are going, and um, and this is a great test for them, and, and it's a good chance to see. It, it's another good chance to see what what the defense can do as well, because you know I think one of the, the more surprising things has been the fact that 
they haven't been as as open and as frail defensively as many of us um, expected. There's there's been a couple of you know of, of um, exceptions to that rule, but generally speaking, they've been much improved in that department. And this is another good chance for them uh, to, to really try and frustrate Bayern for as long as possible, keep things respectable, um, and maybe even you know nick a goal or two of their own. So uh, it might just be seen as a straightforward regulation win for Bayern, uh, and that that obviously wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, but if I can just see, you know, Verda just continuing the, the way they've been playing, really, and, and go out there and give it their best shot, and, uh, and just continue to show that, that they're a, they're a team transformed. Um, this isn't the kind of game that people are going to be piling pressure on them to win. You know, if they have any aspirations of the top half or anything like that, it's just a case of they're doing exactly what they should do this season, Verda, in terms of they're taking points off of the teams in and around them which they weren't doing at the beginning of last season. That, that's why they were in such a dire position. Um, so again, I mean, yeah, I, I would like to just see them uh, put into performance and show a bit of belief and, and try and frustrate Bayern for as long as possible. And who knows, maybe even nick a point, um, you know, for Bayern. You know, I suspect it's, it's going to be a case of just, uh, I don't know, continue where they left off really, because, you know, they, they found a bit of form now and, and uh, from their side, you know that this should be uh, fairly straightforward, but yeah, I, th- I think I think I'd back Verda to to maybe surprise one or two in, in in terms of their performance and hopefully be quite positive in their play as well because you know they're already showing that they're they're no mugs this season. It's Hansi Flick's fiftieth game in charge of Bayern Munich, forty five wins, one draw, three losses. Quite the record. Does he keep it up for you, Drew, against Verda Bremen? I think he will. Um... I mean, again, you, you, you've got, you know, Alfonso Davies is still out, you know, Kimmy is still out. But apart from that, you look at the team and you would still think that, at least on the score sheet, Bayern should be comfortable, should. But I'm kind of with Tom on this one. I think that yeah, <laughs> you look at any Bayern fiction, you think that Bayern's just going to turn out winners. So it's hard to really say how can you analyze that. But in terms of this one, I think you want to look at Verda in the sense that for them, it's it's not about looking at the scoreline from full time. It's about looking at the nature of the performance. If Verde go out and, and actually play quite well and put in one of their better performances of the overall season, despite how well they've already played, they could still end up losing three 0 because it's Bayern. So, but I don't think that's that's kind of the question. Is you know how do they get on without Nicholas Fulkog in the eleven? You know, does Reshiska come in and, and Bitko come in? How do they how do they perform on the flanks? Do they really give? You know, someone like, you know, Hernandez and Pavard, do they give them issues? You know, how does the, you know, if they go with a back five, how does how does that get on? Did they really actually kind of limit the amount of chances? You know, obviously, level only needs, you know, one-fifth of a chance to score, but do you, how, many, how do you limit that? You know, it's, it's how does Werder actually play? I think for me, that's the the, the key part of, of looking at the tie and seeing what the, what the interest is for me on a personal level. Um, obviously, everyone expects Bayern to win. I think Bayern will win. I think deep down, Tom thinks Bayern will win. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, but again, I agree with him. I think if, if Werder play well, you can see that this is actually maybe that they're making those little incremental improvements that you need to see from a side who should be so much better off than they were last season. A side who really, you know, the nature of that club, they, they should be not just top half, but they should really be in there on fighting for European places in terms of you know, where that club want, wants to be, historically where they maybe should be. Um, so yeah, I think for me that that's the key. But I, I do think Bayern will win, um, but I don't think they'll be comfortable. I think the scoreline will look comfortable, but I think Verder actually have it in them to actually put in a performance, given the balance of how they played this season. 
I think it might be a little bit of a tougher ask. You know, um, it might be one of those things where Bayern are one 0 up early. You know, Fred worked themselves back to the match, and then late on, you know, they kind of run out of steam and Bayern peg two or three late goals, which they do that so easily. So it might be one of those kind of performances. But I don't think they'll take anything away from Fred. I think they'll actually play well. You know, despite likely getting a loss. Well, staying towards the top of the Bundesliga table, next up is perhaps the weekend's most exciting fixture as Hertha welcome Borussia Dortmund to the Olympia Stadion in Berlin. Hertha is still to win at home this season in the league, whilst Dortmund have only conceded in two of their seven Bundesliga matches this season. A way win for your boys, Drew? I mean, on paper, you, you would think that Hertha are going to give them a tougher time, but their form has been really poor early doors considering the level of investment and the players they've brought in over the last two summers was a one win in their last six after uh match day one so i think i think they'll be okay um i think it'll be tricky though because again hard to decide who they, they have on an individual level they have a lot of players that can actually go on and hurt dortmund especially on the counter and and i think that's one of dortmund's weaknesses when they really want to hammer in and, and put, put the foot on the neck and, and, and really put on a dominant performance. Sometimes they're very susceptible to being hit on the break. And you have someone like Lukabakio, uh, Kuna, these are kind of players who, if they get any amount of space to really affect the match when they're on the ball um, and drive play, they they definitely can hurt Dortmund. But um, I think it might be uh, on the score, it might be a little bit closer than I'd like to see personally, just my level of stress. Um, but I think Dortmund will see it out. Um, I'd actually probably. I'll just go on record now and say I think Dortmund will win something like 3-2. I think it'll be close. Because, um, again, if Hertha do turn up, they do have players that can actually really give Dortmund a big headache. Um, I'm also curious to see how Lucien Farber attacks the match in terms of how he wants to deploy um, in terms of shape, um, You know, where he's going to do something like where Yedin Sancho is going to be, is, is Marco Royce going to start, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and when I see that, I might have a bit better indication of how I feel on the day. But... Um, I think the Bull will win. I, I just feel like Hertha do a much better performance, and they did win their last league match. So if they build on that, or if they look to build on that, it, it could even be an upset on, on the day. Um, I'm not really quite sure, but I'll, I'll still back a win. Well, I must admit, I'm looking for another Matthias Cunha uh, fantasy football. <laughs> I was about to say, this isn't fantasy driven at all, is it? <laughs> it's the only thing keeping me from there. this <laughs> Tom, do you uh, perhaps hear her to upset? I don't think so. I think if it would... Okay. If, um, yeah, sorry about that. End of discussion, move on. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think if they're away from home, I'd actually back them a bit more, to be fair, because I think it might suit uh, the way they're going to set up against Dortmund. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think so, unless uh, Cunha has a, has a phenomenal performance. And, I mean, you know, there, there was certainly... Very good signs um, in the last outing, you know, against Augsburg that that things are trending in the right direction again, and they got some of their bigger players, um, you know, playing back to back to their best again. Because on paper, you know, this is a team that really should be in and amongst teams like Dortmund, um, certainly from an attacking perspective. Um, but but I, I just, yeah, I, I just back. Um, I back Dortmund to, to sort of, again, I think it'll be tight, much like Drew. Uh, I think it'll be a close game. But, yeah, I think Dortmund should get the job done. Um, you know, they can consider themselves hard done by, uh, I think, against Bayern. And, and plenty of chances in that, in that game to at least get a point. And I think they're going to be angry. And I think they're going to want to try and respond as best they can. And to go away against the European chasing side, 
and put in a convincing performance would be the perfect response really to to still let their rivals and let Bayern know that that they aren't going anywhere just yet. So, yeah, I think I'd back a Dortmund win. I think it's it's a game that should suit the suit Favre's side. And um, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see the side uh, he opts for. You know, you'd hope that that we can see Sancho rekindle a bit of form and start to to get back to his best again. Um, but yeah, I, I probably also back a, a marginal uh, Dortmund win. Also on Saturday, Armenia Bielefeld face Bayer Leverkusen, who are yet to lose in the Bundesliga this season, despite losing Talisman Kai Havertz in the summer. Four wins and three draws so far for them in the league. Can the visitors keep up their fantastic form and grab another win on the road for you, Drew? Yeah, I think so. And it stands to, to, to know that I think they've been quite good uh, this season. And, and Lucas Olario's form has been, I think th- this is what people wanted to see from him and they didn't really get the chance to. But yeah, early doors, I think he's been exceptional. I think this is the kind of match that I, I think Christian should be quite comfortable in. Um, I mean, I know they have some injury concerns. Was it, um, Palacios is still out. Paulino's still out. Uh, Arias, you know, that horrific injury that he suffered on international duty with, uh, with Colombia mm-hmm. about a month ago. Um, Aaron Geese isn't fit as well. So, you know, I know they have some questions, um, particularly in the center of the park, but I feel like this isn't a match where Bielefeld are really going to uh, go on and really try and push the match. They're going to want to sit deep, try to maybe nick a draw. So you don't really need too many players who are going to think on, on, on defensive terms. I think if you allow the quality, they do have to express themselves. I think they should get the win. Uh, and, you know, I'll back Alara to score another goal this season. Um, yeah, I think they'll go on. I think they'll do quite well. Um, yeah, I think I think they should be relatively comfortable considering the circumstances. So yeah, I, I'd be shocked if they don't win. And um, it's poor for me because if Dortmund somehow do not get three points, Leverkusen will climb up above them in the table and um, on on merit. You know they haven't lost yet and they've won four in the spin after three opening draws. So um, yeah, good for them. And I, I think they should be okay. I must admit, when I was looking before writing some notes for this podcast, I was almost surprised that they were still unbeaten in the league. Yeah. I don't know why not to take away from him, but it's quite remarkable given the, you know, how big a transition period they had in the summer. So long may it continue for Leverkusen fans. There's also an early mid-table scrap in Hoffenheim as Stuttgart come to town on Saturday afternoon. Hoffenheim yet to really show their best form so far this season. Tom, if we come to you for this, do you think I need you give me this one. <laughs> do you think they can make the statement and put Stuttgart to the sword this weekend? Uh, I don't know, but for some reason I'm just sensing a draw in this one. Um, it's got the feeling of a game that could possibly go either way. I mean, yeah, you'd probably favour Hoffenheim, uh, you know, given the talents available. And But I mean, I don't know, Stuttgart, they've got a habit of just when you start to write them off, you know, they can pull the result out of the hat. And, you know, again, I think... I know in our sort of preseason uh, predictions, we, we thought they'd be in, in and about, you know, somewhere between 8th to 12th. And we thought they'd do better than perhaps some pundits were were really expecting them to. Um, but by the same token, I mean, you know, away at Hoffenheim, a club that haven't really, that aren't really in the best vein of form. Um, but but it's it's one of those games that, that I don't know, it really depends what, what you're looking for. And, and, and for me, 
again, it's just it's the kind of it's the kind of match where I think Stuttgart could actually do a job and um, and could sort of try and solidify their place in the top half. And I think if they want to, if long term, you're thinking of you're thinking Stuttgart are a side that's that are going to have loftier ambitions than perhaps most um, sides promoted from uh, Zweite Bundesliga. So, and this is the kind of game where which you want to be winning or at least getting a point in and making a statement and announcing yourself really that you aren't just here to make up the numbers and and this is a good chance to do so um you know i think Hoffenheim are going to want to see a bit more from Kramerich after his brilliant start to the season but uh, yeah for some reason I, I i fancy a draw um i don't quite know why but i i just think uh Stuttgart they're, they're doing a lot of things right at the minute and crucially too they're getting a lot of players back from injury uh compared to the start of the season they came into the division um with a couple of of, of injuries carried over from last year or from the summertime. We know that Gonzalez is back now and he's looking good again. Um, and, and I just think there's, there's a good balance to the side and, and I think that they're doing a lot of things right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, for some reason, I'm, I'm, I'm favouring a draw in this one. Elsewhere, Borussia Mönchengladbach play host to, I guess you'd say, surprise package, Augsburg. Well, given what we were saying at the start of the season in our pre-season predictions about them, the home side as it's been confirmed, will be without star forward as some player for the visit of Augsburg. He's reported to have had a positive COVID test earlier in the week. We'll stick with you, Tom, for this one. Which way do you have this one going? Um, I think it has to be uh, Gladbach. Again, I mean, we, we've been pleasantly surprised by, by Augsburg, but, you know, the, the game against uh, Hertha, I think, was a, was a bit more representative of, of perhaps where they are as a team at the minute. Um, they're certainly improved upon last season. I think we know that, but you know, I mean, uh, some of their their wins have came in in unusual circumstances, and and I think their level is is certainly bottom half if we're being honest. And they've had a good start, and they've you know they, they've definitely surprised me because I think we pretty much all had them in and around the, the relegation scrap, Rock if not bottom. being. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think I had them just surviving, but you know, I mean. That's hardly better. But uh, yeah, I think eventually that's more towards where they'll finish. Um, you know, for, for Gladbach, it, it's it's a really weird start to the season as well because um, they're still blighted by a lot of, of injury concerns and to key players as well, you know, Plie and a few others. And um, Although guys like Hoffman have stepped up, uh, you know, you, you, still, you still worry about the fragility of that side if they get injuries. And, um, and uh, this has a potential potential to be a bit of an upset and um, we know that Dortmund uh, fell victim uh, you know away at Augsburg so uh, yeah I think I just about back a Gladbach win but you know I, the, the the confident assertion I had at the start of the season of Gladbach being in the top three or top two wherever I put them um, and really challenging the likes of Dortmund I'm a bit less confident about that now just because it does seem as if the the, the wear and tear and the and the chaotic schedule of Europe um, as well as a couple of, of key injuries, are taking their toll a bit uh, somewhat. And, you know, you, you can say they were unfortunate against Leverkusen. And I, I probably agree with that to an extent. Um, but, yeah, I think they should have enough um, for this this kind of game. But these aren't the games that I'm concerned about. It's more the games against Leverkusen that you want to see them, uh, you know, start to get the wins. So, yeah, I think I'd back a, um, a, a glad back win, but I, I certainly don't think it'll be easy or simple. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Um, the last clash on Saturday afternoon comes from Gelsenkirchen as Schalke welcome Wolfsburg to the Veltins Arena. 
It's just so awfully intentional, isn't it? It's like sure it does. He's like, let's stick with you, Tom, and <laughs> Well, the home side are currently second bottom of the standings after seven matches and haven't won yet this season. Conceded twenty-two times in those seven matches, and it doesn't get any easier for them as an unbeaten Wolfsburg side come to town. Any hope of a Schalke win on Saturday, Drew? Uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of how Dagel is. I mean, the form suggests no, the defensive record suggests no, and they have, what, the second worst goal-scoring record in the league thus far. But, I mean, they might be getting back a couple of players. I think Ozan Kabek served his suspension, didn't he? And then Serdar is back in training, but I have to check that. I don't really quite remember. If they get those two players back, anything is possible for me. Um, just because, again, despite you know the nature of how they've played, you know, last season and, and current, they again they still have. I have to do. I just to give them credit. They do have players that can go on and get them a result. But it's down to a few factors for me. I think tactical is one of them. Um, I think that was the biggest gripe, you know, under um, under Wagner was. I, I just don't think he was setting the team up in the way that you need to go and, and utilize them correctly. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think anything anything is possible. Um, I don't think it'll necessarily happen. You know, I think Wolfsburg are in a much better state. You know, they also haven't. Uh, they haven't. I think they're also undefeated, aren't they? Not right. Yeah, they haven't lost uh, either. One two drawn time. For me, the issue with that would be um, the nature of their, they have their own goal scoring issues, um, and I think against a side like Schalke, who if if you give them any excuse to have an easier time at the back. And you then you allow players like I mean Herrett to maybe express himself if if he's not being pinned back constantly, mm-hmm. um, then Shaka can go on and maybe get a get a result and maybe make a draw potentially or but I think it also stands to reason that Wolfsburg are in their own right. They've been very, very good collectively in terms of defending. There's a good at the back baskets across come in, he's 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 done quite well, a little Baku there. They have players who can really kind of you know, nail down maybe the odd chance that that Shaka might craft, you know they still lack creativity, uh, especially in central areas. So um, I think at best, Chuck can maybe get a draw, which is, I guess, any point right now would be <laughs> anything better than nothing would probably suit them for now. Maybe just build a bit of belief, a bit of confidence, maybe try to hammer down the right way they want to play. But I think realistically, I think Wolfsburg might win, but I think it will be a close match. Just again, they've struggled for goals. Um, and, you know, someone like a, a big horse who absolutely excels in the box and in the air, but, you know, players like Kabak and, and, and Zane do kind of excel in, in, in aerial duels, so that might negate his biggest presence. Um, but I do think Wolfsburg could run out maybe like a 1-0. Like a I don't think it will be a necessarily dominant performance, but I just, I just think Shaka just aren't there yet. But I don't think they'll necessarily play poorly. I just don't think they'll get three points. Well, into Saturday evening next then, and a big clash in Frankfurt at half past five as Eintracht welcome Leipzig to town. Leipzig currently second in the table. They've won five, drawn one and lost one. The away side have only conceded four goals as well in the Bundesliga, meaning that they currently have the best defence in the league. Tom, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I can do. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting one because uh, just when I sort of write Eintracht R4, you know, just when I get sort of uh, high on them, I, they, they tend to, I don't know, that they tend to sort of go the opposite way to how I predict they will. So, 
Um, I'm a bit reluctant to kind of comment on them too much just because I don't know what to make of them yet. But I think uh, Leipzig are, are an interesting case as well in the sense that, yeah, they seem to have a good a good bit of defensive balance. And aside from the odd, you know, uh, the, the odd uh, shambolic display, shall we say, at Old Trafford, I mean, it, generally speaking, it, it's been quite good domestically. Um, and they've, you know, quietly put together a, a good little run, you know, and a few good wins. And now... Uh, you know, are the closest challengers to Bayern. Um, and you can see why, really, because I think they've got a good setup. I like the balance of midfield now. I just think, you know, I think I think Campbell's been been solid in, in his newfound position and obviously Sabitzer continues to impress. And I've really liked uh, Angelino too, who, who's been a, an excellent addition um, on the left side and has really added some dynamism, um, uh, you know, to that to the Leipzig team. Um, and again, uh, they have something that, that you could argue that maybe uh, Gladbach and to an extent Bayer don't really have. They have a load of options. You know, they have a lot of players who don't make the starting eleven all the time. But you can bring off the bench and and players who can come on and have an impact. And uh, and there's a lot of rotation going on, and it means they can put up a good challenge in Europe and still be very competitive uh, domestically as well. And again, aside from that, you know, strange blip against against Manchester United. Um, it's been a it's been a half decent start to the season, um, and, and I'd back them to I'd back them to, to continue that against Eintracht. Um, again, it may not be straightforward simply because Eintracht have a habit of uh, of annoying me whenever I pick them to lose. But uh, yeah, I, I think I, I, I'd I think I'd back uh, Leipzig to get the win on this on this occasion. I just like the way that that things are coming together together for them. And they may lack a bit of star quality in the absence of, of Werner, and and they may even uh, lose a couple more players in January if Liverpool, if Liverpool's uh, you know injury uh, crisis deepens. Um, but at the minute, yeah, I, I like the way things are going for them, and um, I just like the fact that they have an, a, they have an array of options to use. I like the fact that they brought in good players in over the summer who are slowly getting up to speed as well in Solarth and you know and and, and Huang. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, Leipzig could could get this by a couple of goals actually, um, because at the minute they just seem to be they seem to be pulling results together and and they seem to be moving in the right direction. Fair enough. Well, just two uh, fixtures on Sunday this weekend in the Bundesliga. The first of which sees bottom of the table Mainz travel to Freiburg. The home side finished eighth last term, but currently only have one win to their name. Since I said it was the worst fixture of the weekend and you disagreed with me, Tom, I'll let you take this one. Can you see Mines grabbing their first win? No. No, apologies, no. Uh, <laughs> but it's just hard to, it's hard to look past that record, isn't it? I mean, I know technically that they have, quote, improved and, and technically, you know, they have new management in place and, and it's, it's not the, the crisis that it was at the, at the very beginning of the season, but I'm just, you know, I've got a lot of predictions wrong in our in our prediction show, and uh, you know, one of them was was Freiburg uh, having another good season again, and and I do think eventually it will click into gear. It's just that they've been through a lot of changes. They lost, you know, players like Waldschmidt, and they lost Robin Koch as well. You know, two two players who, while young, uh, had a very big impact on that side and the way they played. So I just think that they're getting up to speed and they're trying to find a way forward with the squad they have and they're trying to rebuild again after having some of their best um, uh, players, um, you know, plucked. And last time they played Leipzig and there's no shaming losing away to them. So, yeah, I, I think at the very least, Freiburg, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll get a point here and, 
Um, you know, I, I don't know how much we can make make from a, a draw against Schalke at the minute. It doesn't seem as if that's uh, that doesn't seem like a a fantastic achievement in the light of day. So. Yeah, I think Freiburg should get the job done. I maintain there's intrigue in it because, again, you look at Mainz and you look at the club and the ethos and the players as well. They've got a lot of really good young players and you're almost willing the willing them to do well because uh, they're a very likeable club, um, or I think so anyway. But but at the minute, yeah, it's just it's a, it's a bit all over the place and uh and i don't know how much you can read into a into a result against a home draw against schalke yeah I, I think i need to see a bit more from them um in in terms of improvement before i can start uh you know predicting them getting anywhere near to safety so i think freiburg should get the job done um but it's worth keeping on keeping an eye on minds to see if they can slowly start to claw their way back and slowly start to look respectable again well the last fixture of the bundesliga weekend comes from I'll rather biasly say Germany's most picturesque city and the Rhine Energy <laughs> Stadion <laughs> as yeah. FC Köln welcome Union Berlin. Visitors currently the second top scoring side in the league behind leaders Bayern, whilst the hosts have struggled so far this season, especially in defence. Come to you, Drew, for the final one. Are you going with an Union victory on the road or... Can this be the start of a revival for Marcus Gisdolzman? Well, can't wrap my head around the fact that Union has scored 16 and 7. I, <laughs> I, I can always forget that they're actually playing quite well in terms of things going forward. I, 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 I'm sorry in advance. I don't think Kohn are going to get the win. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, um, I just think you kind of almost have to go with, you have to look at the form at the moment. I think, you know, from back to front, I think Union are, are where they are. In the table currently, obviously on you know on merit. I don't think it's been a fluke. I think they uh, they've they've done well to avoid second season syndrome for sure. But some of the nature of, of some of the results have been, you know, you get that Gladbach draw. What's the draw? I guess they decent performance against Freiburg. They beat Hoffenheim rather convincingly. Um, again, they're finding one of the biggest things with them is they're finding goals regularly now, um, while also being that kind of side that's still rather difficult to break down. So they may be ahead of maybe where that club wanted to be in terms of how to progress on the pitch. Um, and that's after losing someone like uh, Sebastian Anderson, who they're going to be lining up against ironically enough. But um, yeah, no, I, th- I think, I think they're going to get the win. Uh, again, I don't think any of the numbers in the data you'll get are, are fluky. Um, so yeah, I'm, it might be close, but I, I mean, Cone's form has been, uh, I, I can have you probably sum that up better than I could. Um, <laughs> there, there you go. So, um, yeah, yeah, but, but again, a side who, I mean, they do have. A, if you look at the eleven, you got to say it, it's better than being in, in, in a relegation fight for sure. Um, but maybe you could also say questionable business. I know you've mentioned it before. Um, especially going into the season in early doors. But I, I do think Union will, will come out. I don't know if it would necessarily be comfortable. I think on the, on the day, calling that players that, it could, that can affect the match and, and give Union a bit of a headache. But no, I, I do think 2-0 um, Union maybe if I had to go on record again. But I do think the one, I think, you know, this is kind of what I, what I, what I enjoy seeing about the Bundesliga, maybe more than most leagues. Um, certainly in the top five is that you can have sides that are, newly promoted or just one year after promotion and they really go on and kick on and, and become something in rapid succession. And we've seen it over the last 10 years 
a lot of times new promoted sides finish in, in, in the top half, maybe seventh, eighth or ninth. And then the season after that, sometimes they'll go on and, and make Europe again. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I like a story like this, especially a club like Udian who <laughs> right now are, are some, trying to be the ones to cement themselves as the capital club rather than Hertha. And they, they couldn't be two more different clubs. So it's an interesting story and it, it's fun to watch. So Definitely. I'll uh, go for a clone win, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say draw just to you know just to uh... oh, there we go <laughs> nice little, uh, one result yeah. anyway yes so that'll conclude tonight's episode of get german football news podcast again a massive thanks as always to both drew and tom for their help and expertise remember to follow us on twitter in the meantime to keep up to date with all things german football stay safe guys and thanks again for tuning in